Have you been hitting the books and listening to lectures all day? It's time to relax, to unwind, and listen up. This is Brooke from Campus Chronicles, your go-to podcast for everything student life. No matter where you are in your academic journey, we have you covered. Think of us as a trusted mentor, friend, and confidant who always has your back. We'll be sharing inspiring stories, thought-provoking insights, and practical advice to help you succeed in and out of the classroom. So get ready to be inspired, enlightened, and entertained. Hello, hello, everyone. I am incredibly excited to be here with a wonderful man, Terrence Kutsi, and he is just phenomenal. He has a wealth of knowledge that he is going to be so gracious to share with us. We were talking a little bit uh, prior to the recording, and he said he has 15 years of experience in accommodation in the United Kingdom. Just tell me, how did you get started in this career path, I suppose? When I think back to where it all began, it all began really when I was in university education myself, you know, typical sort of 18-year-old heading off to university up in North London, and I needed a part-time job, you know, to sort of fund the usuals. Um, and I noticed that they were looking for a Paul Warden, as we were called back then. So sort of a res life supervisor, an RA. And I thought, I'll give that a go. You know, they handed over the keys to the building. They showed me the fire alarm panel and said, go work with our students and see what you think. And I kind of have never left. And I ended up graduating and then going to work for the same university uh, in accommodation management. And then I just sort of thought, I really enjoyed this. I enjoy the physicality of the buildings. And we had a really diverse portfolio in terms of age and location. And I enjoyed meeting with the students and their parents. And I was in an environment I was very comfortable with. I loved being on campus at the university. And I just never left. I love that. It's a gradual realization of the purpose. So let's return to the, to the warden aspect. You kind of giggled when you said warden. What is the craziest or funniest or, I suppose, best story you have from being a warden? Not everyone can say they were a warden, can they? And it's such a, for me, it's a slightly dated title because I sort of picture a warden like a prison warden with a big bunch of keys on the end of a long chain. I, I really enjoyed being a whole warden. You know, it was my excuse to walk into the common rooms and just talk to students. And I, I love talking to people and engaging with people I've never met before. Um, but yeah, you, you do get the stories. Uh, I remember once, you know, I've got a call, uh, there'd been an accident. So, you know, you, you head up to the kitchen and a microwave had exploded and I'm sort of standing there going, what's happened here? And with a very strange face, the, the student turned to me and he said, well, I wanted to see what would happen if I put a coconut in a microwave for an hour. I love that. And I sort of just looked, just looked at him and thought. I love that you have these questions. I just wish you hadn't followed through with the physicality of it. I love that. Oh, my goodness. And I guess in that experience, you probably saw a different side of university life than most students that perhaps aren't involved as intimately. And as you were being the hall ward and you were seeing these crazy things like coconuts in, in the microwave, is that when you started to have the realization, hey, this is something that I feel very passionate about? When did that shift happen? 
I think for me, it was once I'd actually graduated um, that I was working for the university and the head of accommodation services, a, a lady called Penny Jones, she was ahead of her time uh, in terms of, I think a lot of universities really operated the halls of residence or the housing as the place you go to sleep in. And she wanted community. And she wanted staff to be engaging, connecting students, not just with when to pay the rent or you know, having a disciplinary meeting, but hosting events and recycling schemes and converting unused space into a study room because she didn't want the students walking across campus at night. We were slightly off campus where we were um, on their own just to study. And that, that was my trigger. Penny is responsible for so much in my life because he triggered this understanding that there is a connection between living in a building, studying in that environment, and actually your, your well-being and your growth and the opportunity for other people to not necessarily influence you, but just to provide you different perspectives that you would never have come across before. And I think that sparked it all for me. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a huge tie to feeling safe as well, safe to express yourself, safe to be yourself, safe physically, emotionally, spiritually. And if you see something, a, a building as a place to sleep and don't really acknowledge, you know, the different emotions that people could feel there, whether it's grief, whether it's loss, whether it's anxiety or stress, that's doing people a major disservice. And I think because we, we approach students slightly different there and we wanted them to come to the office to chat. I think people have traditionally seen the office as a place to go to, to report a problem, to collect your mail, uh, or if you'd been summoned. I had a wonderful conversation last week with someone, and she mentioned a new term to me. I'm curious if you've heard this term, cultural adaptability. And she is from the States. She said she went to Australia with a, a uh, international business school, and her demeanor was scaring them. And so I listened on to the story. She said, I was so loud. I was so expressive. I was, quote unquote, turning them off. Do you see that in your accommodations where perhaps just different styles, different personalities, different um, cultural norms are not mixing? And how do you seek to resolve that? Um, I have seen that. And if I think back to um, certainly my times when I was working with the University of Reading or the University of the Arts London, you know, we had very, very big portfolios of accommodation with thousands of international students represented within all of the buildings. And you would often see it in something as simple as the kitchen and how people would approach cooking and how in some cultures they would head in and it was something to be done on your own. You wanted everybody out of the kitchen, especially if you were a bad cook, and you wanted a little bit of privacy and you would cook your meal for you to take back to your room. Whereas for other students, it was very important that cooking was engaged with as part of a group activity. And it was done together, both the shopping and the planning and the cooking, and the dining. Um, so I think the kitchen was somewhere where it was always fascinating to see. And we would approach it in different ways by having cooking clubs. Uh, we would circulate recipe lists, which students would hand over from semester to semester. How cute is that? It was great fun. It really was. Um, you know, sadly, we haven't seen much of that recently because um, I think students become much more used to now online shopping and be able to sort of manage their own inventories and access resources online. But um, that was a lot of fun, helping students sort of connect with each other through the medium of food. 
Speaking on the fun, what has been the most fun program activity initiative you've ever implemented? I know that's a hard question. So I, I worked for the University of the Arts London for a number of years. It's a really interesting organization because it's uh, six individual colleges, world-famous art colleges like St. Martin's, um, the London College of Fashion, brought together under this one university, which meant we had a really diverse mix of students in terms of very artistically focused, but in really different ways. And I remember very vividly someone who's still a very good friend of mine, uh, a chap called David, who was head of our housing department. He organized a family sports day at this residence that we had in Battersea. And we were very lucky. This residence had gardens, it had grounds. And all of the staff came. They brought their families, they brought their children. We had a barbecue set up. All the students were invited. And it just became an afternoon of silliness. Pure joy with um, egg and spoon races and sack races and the type of games that you would play as children. But because we brought our families along and because the students were there, they'd never necessarily seen this done before. It was just an afternoon of pure joy. And it was great fun. Oh, my goodness. Well, we forget to play. The older we get, the more we forget to play. And play is where we learn about ourselves and the world around us. But so often, you know, university students, I can't play unless I'm playing with a five-year-old or a a six-year-old, then I have permission to play when in reality, you always, as no matter how old you are, you have permission to play. Did you foster a playful attitude as best you could? I know some people fight against that. I, I try to. It's not my default, if I'm really honest. Uh, my default is a little bit grumpy. Uh, you know, it, It's something that I have to put a lot of effort into. But I think when you see the results and you see students walking across the car park with, you know, arms loaded with pots and pans because they're having their own bake-off in one of the other kitchens in another block. It's just brilliant because you know that there was a connection that wasn't there before they arrived. And it may not carry on after they go, but it's something they're always going to remember. In my experience, university, I, I see it like a tapestry. Right? It really weaved a lot of who I am and a lot of my behaviors as a professional in the workplace did originate in university. And one thing that I was really bad at in university, I'll call myself out, was chronic people-pleasing. Oh, I was so bad at chronic people-pleasing. And as an adult, I've had to work to rewire that behavior. But in creating spaces where people do have that trust, they have that openness, they have that genuine respect, I think you can help people grow not only professionally, but personally. And that self-development journey, is that something you think on much in terms of self-development? It is. Um, I remember an interview I had a few years ago for a role that someone said, you know, do you believe in an open door policy um, in terms of you know, your office? So people come in. And, and I remember saying, well, it's not enough to say you've got an open door policy. It's about building a, such a relationship where people feel comfortable just simply walking through your office door to talk. Um, and I try to sort of bring that to everything we turn our hand to, whether it's our diversity committee looking at the calendar of events we're going to run in the year ahead, uh, or our sustainability group looking at what we can do to better support students coming in and, and be more sustainably focused. It's about making sure that it's great to have people there having the conversation, 
But do they truly feel that they can turn around to you and say, I disagree with that, and here's why? Or I'd actually like to bring a different idea to the table. Um, and for me, I think that's what is important. It's that, that balance and that openness. And it's not just with students, it's with staff, it's with competitors who you know, we're friends with, peers in the market. Um, it's just that, that feeling of, going back to trust, which you mentioned earlier, and that you can have that dialogue. You don't always have to agree. There has been a wrong perception for so long around multi-generational connections or relationships of any sort that the older party always teaches the younger one and that the younger one is always soaking up knowledge. When in reality, there is that cross-connection. You teach each other. It is not just one way. It could be something as I was having a conversation earlier on with one of our marketing team, and they would talk about sort of the different ways different generations engage with platforms and how people, perhaps my generation, um, are very easy to use Facebook and sort of engage with Facebook, whereas students coming in now may be less engaged with Facebook and more engaged with Snapchat or Insta or TikTok. And I think that that ability from start to sort of teach me about that without it coming across as awkward uh, or uncomfortable is really important. Um, some of it I still get very bemused by when you see these videos and these different reels and why do people do this and how do they have so much time? Well, um, and I think it's true with students as well because they're coming with such various backgrounds. Where I am at the moment in my role with FIE, we work with American institutions coming across to uh, London and Dublin to, to, to live, to study, and to do internships. Conversations you can have with them about what it's truly like on their campus or what it's truly like in their hometown and how they've never left the country before or the state before. And just these insights, it, it, it's fascinating. Has working with people from the States been different? I'm going to make an assumption it has been. It has been, I wouldn't say it's been different because I'm slightly lucky. My, my own mother actually grew up in Chicago. Um, and her parents lived for a good amount of time in New York as well. So as a child growing up, I spent a lot of time traveling. Uh, a lot of that was in the US, but it was more broad that my parents were very open to taking us to different parts of the world to experience different cultures. So working with US students kind of feels comfortable to a certain degree because I could at least identify with some of the experiences which they share. I remember the stories my mum would tell me about going to high school in Chicago. Um, and I hear some of those stories and I hear students talking about their experiences. So there's a little bit of crossover there, which, which is my sort of safety net. <laughs> I love that. I was reading a study the other day and, and someone younger than me had said, you write emails so strange. I never thought I wrote emails so strange. So I, I pulled it up online and it said, that the, the younger generation that would be coming into university in the coming years punctuates dramatically different than other generations before them. That's an example of it can be the smallest thing, but just being open, right? Because I was interpreting her emails as disinterested and she was interpreting mine as angry. And it's a really good example because you can take it as disinterest, angry, or just outright rude um, because a lack of perceived lack of effort has gone in, uh, no subject line, no salutation, uh, poor punctuation, 
um, that can be taken as rudeness. Uh, but it's not. It's just a simple communication style. And then when you take that and you apply it to, say, a phone and SMSing or WhatsApping, it starts to become a little bit more understandable because well, when you WhatsApp, you're not starting off, dear Terrence, love to talk to you, hope all is well. It hopefully isn't formal. Hopefully you're not WhatsApping a bunch of business connections. <laughs> exactly. Um, so again, it's that, it's that open space in your head where you can think, yeah, no, there might be other reasons why this is written the way it is. If you were going to share three pieces of advice for any students or any viewership listening, just around the general premise of what we spoke on today, what would those three pieces of advice be from your career, your long-standing career in this? We'll probably start off with, it's okay to not be okay. The idea that those moments where you were homesick or you're confused or you're really upset there's something to go on in your home life and you're not there to deal with it, uh, or you haven't got your normal support structure around you, you're missing a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a partner, it's okay to have those feelings. And it really is okay to not be okay and to recognize that there are actually people you want to around you. Um, but actually, if you just want to pick up the phone and call a family member or a friend and, and just talk, you do whatever you need to do, but it really is okay to not be okay. I think people get so hacked up and focus on you've got to be positive and out there and focused and, and thinking of the cost of the education as well and how much money is being channeled into the education and experience. The pressure's immense. It's okay. Have, have, have your down moment. Focus on you. Take some time to look after yourself. Um, so probably say that's the first one. Um, second one, one that's always worked for me, Change your mind. Be ready to change your mind. And I think that's so critically important. And we get it with students coming onto our, uh, both our London and Dublin programs. They have these fixed expectations of what the Brits are going to be like or what the Irish are going to be like. Oh, I bet that's funny to debunk those myths. It's great fun. Um, we are based in South Kensington. It's quite a, an affluent part of London. And you know, when we're doing the walking tours with our students, you see, you see these buildings here. We don't live around here. You know, these are multi, multi-million pound buildings. This is just one part of London. And they really, we really sort of encourage people to get out and see different parts of town so they can really get an insight. And after you've been to a much more residential area or a touristy area or um, so when very much developing like the east of London post-Olympics, that's when they start to change their minds and they realize London or Dublin isn't just this one fixed product. I think the third one would be, and again, I think this is something which has served me very well, is try the food. And I think you can learn so much about people and community and even the history of the community just by trying food that you wouldn't normally. Uh, and I, I think about the wealth of options that are available in our big city centers now uh, in terms of communities and cultures. You can challenge yourself. You can push yourself as far as you want to go um, or not. <laughs> What's the most interesting thing you've tried recently? I'm probably not practicing what I preached recently. And, you know, you sort of, we were very focused on the, the start of the semester. So, uh, you know, 
haven't been quite getting out to challenge myself as much as I would like, but um, there's a wonderful cookbook that I've seen recently um, on Omani food and Omani cuisine, and I've ordered a copy because it's something that I really want to just understand more about. What is that like in terms of spices and the meats and the preparation styles and and then just a little bit of history behind it. It's one of those cookbooks that actually talk about the history of the food as well. Um, so, yeah, that, that's going to be my, my sort of um, my challenge next month, a bit of Omani cooking. Before we sign off, I have two more questions. Number one, where, if people want to connect with you, they want to learn more from you, want to learn more about your business, how can they do that? And give us a little bit of insight on your business as well and just your overall work. Probably the easiest way to connect with me is on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm fairly active on LinkedIn. I find it a great place. That's where we found him, everyone. He's very active on LinkedIn. <laughs> I, I think he's great because so many people, so, so many interesting uh, resources and articles on there. Um, or alternatively, through uh, my work, I work for FIE, the Foundation for International Education. Um, we are based in London and Dublin, and we just run some amazing programs putting students onto programs where the syllabi have actually been driven and adapted to reflect our core values of diversity, sustainability, and social justice. And it's a really unique approach to study abroad courses, which I'm very passionate about and I believe in. Uh, and I think that a lot of our students come away from our programs with that same just sense of joy of learning. I love that. Before we sign off, is there one last imparting piece of advice you'd share to our viewership listening? I think it would be just to challenge yourself and to recognize that going on a study abroad program, traveling abroad is a wonderful, wonderful, brave step in itself. And when you're there, take it a step further. It, it doesn't have to be getting on a plane and flying to uh, the furthest reaches of Southern Africa, but jump on a train and go somewhere that you don't know. Or, or get on a bus and ride around London for the day and just see London above ground. Or if you're in Dublin, hire a car, go for a drive and just see something different. It, it doesn't have to be huge steps. The smallest of steps that you take when you're in these new learning environments that sometimes bring you the biggest growth opportunities. And you will laugh and you will have so much fun doing it. And you'll probably get some really crashy trinkets to take home and show people and a phone full of pictures that you'll never print, but that's fine because it's fun. Oh my goodness. I have had a wonderful conversation with you. So much fun this afternoon. Thank you for sharing all your wisdom, your fantastic stories of being a warden and all with our viewership. We really appreciate your time and we appreciate that you joined us here on another episode of the Campus Chronicles. Thank you for joining me on Campus Chronicles. I hope you found our discussion informative, inspiring, entertaining, and fun. We are always working hard to make sure that our episodes are the very best they can be, which means we need your help. If you liked what you heard, remember to hit the follow button on your favorite podcast platform and drop us a review. It helps us to connect with more students who are hungry for success and remember, the journey never stops. Keep listening, keep learning, keep growing. See you next week for another amazing episode of Campus Chronicles.